Hi, welcome to Botanical, a podcast about California native plants. I'm your host, Matt Marquier, and today we'll be looking at Achillea millifolium, more commonly known as Yarrow, a name that sounds like a pirate in pain, going yar, ow. And you might think there has there's nothing to do with pirates and yarrow, and while there's maybe nothing directly, yarrow was actually used in a lot of early beers before hops were introduced, and that actually has a really interesting connection to the Reformation. And also, yarrow may be the plant with the longest connection to humans. With that, you might be wondering, well, how can a California native plant have a history with humans that predates perhaps to the prehistoric times? Well, we'll get to all of that um, after the break. thousand petals and a thousand names. You can call it devil's nettle, gordaldo, the nosebleed plant, a soldier's woundwort, the thousand seal. In parts of America, such as New Mexico, it is called plumajillo, which means little feathers. This is also the word for it just in any Spanish-speaking country. In German, I thought this was interesting that it's Occasionally, I've seen it called Gemeine Schafgarbe, which if we break that apart would literally translate to common sheep sheath, and that is a tongue twister to rival Sally Sells seashells down by the seashore, because that took me a while to say. Um, I'll say it's just me today, I'm not sure. Um, and also, thinking about that, having this word sheep sheath, um, of course, there's a, there's a compound now in German, so I might not be in my right place here talking about this um, and no, without knowing really much of the history behind this word. But if that compound word is tied to yarrow and essentially is a stand-in for what we call yarrow, was there a history of using yarrow to feed sheep in Germanic cultures? It would make sense. I would see yarrow since it is essentially, it can be it can grow like a weed. It's really common. It's easy to grow. You don't have to care for it. That would be a low stakes and economically wise choice for feeding sheep. And I did see that although yarrow is toxic to animals, sheep actually seem to be able to handle it. Um, but anyway, that's besides the point. The key part to this name is common because that ties back into our question of how can a California native, the Achillea millifolium yarrow, have such a widespread distribution, have such an ancient history tied to humans? Well, one part of that is that it has what is called a circumboreal presence, our distribution, and what that means, it's essentially, or what it's really just a geographic region um, as detailed by certain botanists that really just translates to Eurasia and North America. So before we get more into all that, let's just get an idea of what this plant really is. So it is in the daisy family, the Aceraceae, which 
and by this point, it seems like most of the episodes we're looking at are in the AC family. And also, I don't think that is necessarily surprising because when you look more into plants, especially edible plants, what you see is that we usually only eat from a couple of genera. So it's also not common to me, or it's not, I guess, kind of a weak association here, but it's not surprising, I guess, to me that a lot of plants that I would choose to be remarkable natives or at least have a good story or maybe also from some of the families. It seems like as humans, we kind of attach ourselves to plants within certain certain groups. Um, so with all that, this plant has really striking white flowers. Generally, it can have other colors um, going to white and other varieties can have up to pink colors. Plant flowers generally from May through June. Uh, it has a great track record for being um, a great choice for, for butterfly gardens. And it actually has been confirmed um, that at least a couple of moths also use it um, as a host plant. It supports birds, supports bees. I mean, it's a pretty, pretty remarkable plant, um, even the deeper you go into it. The other thing about yarrow is that it is really industrious. It is frequently found in the wild. Um, you'll probably see it just going around California. Maybe, honestly, if you're anywhere in the States or throughout Europe, you probably have seen yarrow. It can grow up to about 3,500 meters above sea level. And it actually does really well in mildly disturbed soils. Like, it seems to like bad soils. There's a lot of natives seem to really like kind of harsh conditions. They usually grow in grasslands. And it's really pretty to see them just pop up and you just see these beautiful like florets of their flowers. And with that, however, yarrow can be considered invasive where it is introduced and it is known to become weedy um, because it can, it can spread very quickly and it really doesn't mind if you disturb it too much. So let's get more into those leaves and flowers. The leaves almost look to me fern-like. I mean like a rabbit's foot fern or something like that if you know what that's like or it also looks kind of almost like carrot tops. However, the leaves are being kind of compact and tight together. They look really airy or light or feathery, um, going back to the Spanish term for it, the plumajillo, like little feathers. Um, and then the and then the flowers are interesting because they create this essentially like a triangular shape from the stalk to where they branch out to, to where the flower heads kind of radiate. There's a lot of them. Um, this kind of comes back to the name millifolium, which is Latin for many, many leaves. There are tons of petals and the clusters usually form like a kind of relatively flat top. Almost looks like if you were really small, you could kind of just like walk across it. So I think with Yara, we can kind of probe into what native means because it may seem odd to call a plant that has such a wide distribution native when you could also find it anywhere else in the States, you could find it in the UK even. Um, so what does that mean to have such a broad native? And really, I think the, the core of what native means is that these are organisms that have essentially been regulated by their biome. These, these are instances where they're not going to overrun a certain space necessarily. There are factors that kind of control them or that have grown with them. So for an invasive, it's something that doesn't have any connection, any relevance per se with where it is. And there's nothing that really uses it. And so it can kind of just, or nothing that controls it. So it just can grow rapidly. Um, so it's actually a really interesting point of conversation. I think a good point to kind of understand what, because native can mean, I think means more than just like it grows here. Like it also has all these 
factors of how it grows and how it's part of the, the uh, essentially the, the the ecosystem and also you know maybe how it's part of the food chain because yarrow is actually a really important host plant and has been really important to humans as well for example let's look at the name of the genus achelia this comes from achilles the greek hero who specifically was written about in homer's iliad and in there he treats his soldiers with a herb and it's thought to be yarrow. And why that is, is because yarrow is known to help staunch blood flow. It actually increases blood clotting by up to about 30%. This is from recent research. And if my memory serves me right, in the book, he's actually, or Achilles actually gets this information about yarrow um, and about its medicinal properties from a centaur. So I think that's super cool. But this is not just in Greece. Other cultures have historically used it. In fact, there was potentially fossilized pollen from yarrow found um, in a cave dating about 60,000 years ago in Iraq. Um, it has also been used to treat fevers, um, diarrhea. Stocks, I thought, would have been dried and used in the Chinese divination of, of the I Ching. Um, a lot of this comes from an alkaloid that, that, you, that is found within the plant, primarily in the stock. And this is called achilline, I believe is how you pronounce it. Um, and this is what encourages blood clotting and a few other things, but from my research, it hasn't been re really studied too much. So there may be even more about it that we can find out, um, in the years to come. It also has microbial properties. It's thought to maybe help reduce spasms or blood pressure. Um, all these things it may even reduce inflammation and can promote digestion. And America, a lot of different Native American tribes used yarrow. And of course there are different, a lot of different varieties. And these were used again to reduce fever. They were used for cold. It would be used as a poultice, um, just like the ancient Greek warriors. It'd be used for just general skin things like burns. But I think the biggest takeaway is that yarrow has a has a very old and a very widespread use um, amongst humans as a medicinal plant or maybe even a spiritual plant. And I think this can this can dovetail into our next point, which is on yarrow beer. Now, yarrow beer is not what it exactly sounds like, and it's the, the name is misleading because it's not beer that's made out of yarrow. It's rather beer that is essentially seasoned or flavored by yarrow. And these kind of beers are actually called Groot, be Groot ales from what I found. Um, and traditionally it seems like a lot of cultures associated beers that were flavored with yarrow to be used at weddings. And occasionally it seems like this is still a practice to this day, but there's some really interesting things here. And I think let's look at the use of yarrow beer in Viking culture. And even let's go back to the word for, for ale in Old Norse, or the language of, of the Vikings. And from what I found, it was, I'm assuming I pronounce it improperly, but alu, A-L-U, and that actually was a word that was somewhat common, um, or rather a word that was used beyond beer, was something used as like a protective charm. And that's how these Groot ales largely were seen. There was something more rather than like our common common ale, which is our more modern beer, which you kind of just feel really tired after, and it kind of makes you feel heavy. These Groot ales are actually known to be aphrodisiacs, and they were known to be, have, they could pr produce hallucinations or at some level were psychotropic. And that was largely because there were, there were so many different um, herbs in there that, that it really produced this really strong effect on the body and may even had antimicrobial properties, which again, maybe even was, was provided by 
in part by the yarrow. And the reason why we don't really make these ales anymore is actually due to, or in part due to Martin Luther and the Protestant Re Reformation, because a lot of the churches had these recipes and kind of this control over the Groot ales. And so one of the ways to kind of circumvent the church's power and the church's control of money was to instead make and rely upon a beer that wasn't made with all these herbs, but instead hops, which was a commodity that wasn't taxed. And even at the time, there seems to be commentary that these these beers were really quite different and it made you feel kind of heavy and made you feel, they're more like a soporific or something that makes you feel sleepy or want to go to sleep. And I think what this is interesting, or I'm honestly, during this research, I was really wanting to try a beer flavor with yarrow because it's said to have kind of like an anise-like flavor, which I really don't like. But I'm just curious to have a beer that's made not with hops, which I do love. It's made maybe more like evident, like effervescent. I can almost see it as like effervescent or bright. It seemed really very spring-like to have all these different herbs mixed in with your beer. And honestly, it's making me think that maybe in the future we should do an episode here on Botanical about different natives you can use to make alcohol with or to make food with. Because we already talked about Toyon cider and a few other things. So through ER, we probed into the latent meanings of the label native and how maybe there's some connotative elements to the word that kind of operate when we use it and then we don't even think about um, or maybe when other people use it we don't maybe necessarily think about particularly i'm referring to our conversation about native meaning or native having this meaning of something already having an existing relationship with the space in which it's occupying it's things that's regulating there's things that are using it um it's an integrated part of that landscape or that environment whereas invasive is something that doesn't seem to be new doesn't isn't regulated isn't connected and can easily ran run rampant we also looked into the protestant Re Re reformation surprisingly enough and then we looked into homer so there's a lot to look into through yarrow and honestly there's a lot more so if you're interested in this plant Specifically, really interested in looking at the medicinal properties of it, I encourage you to dig deep. This is the perfect time to do some research of your own. And honestly, I will probably return to this plant again in the future, maybe looking more specifically at a California variety or one that's grown here specifically. Although most of them I'm not super necessarily into if they're kind of a nursery stock or nursery cultivar, more so interested in ones that have adapted here by themselves. For now, thank you for tuning into this episode. And if you, if you listen to the end, thank you very much. I really appreciate you. And I hope that you've been enjoying these episodes. I'll be doing one more episode like this next week. And by that, I just mean these kind of more, these kind of off the cup episodes where I just kind of talk from my research rather than maybe trying to structure it in a more, in an organized development of ideas. If you like these episodes, please let me know. Or if you preferred the more structured way, you know, please do let me know. I'd be happy to return to that. This is more of an experiment. So again, thank you for listening and I'll see you next week.